0: Todd Sachs of Sachs Realty. I'm the broker and founder here. And uh, tonight we're debuting, sorry about the little glitches here, guys. But tonight we're debuting our Tuesday Night Live. And I'm really excited. we got a special guest lined up, Brenda Evans. Uh, But we're going to talk tonight about really, um, if you have an existing mortgage, this is something you're going to want to watch or listen to. um, Whether you bought six or seven or 10 years ago, mortgage rates are really low right now. Uh, whether you're a first time buyer and you're really looking for the proper steps, uh, whether you're a move up buyer and you don't know how to make that transition, you know, you're know you in a house that you want to you know uh, maybe upsize and your needs are changing and you're not really sure how that overlap takes place. Uh, and then you may be a credit repair buyer. So we see that a lot of times. So we're going to talk about that tonight. And if you're an industry professional, you're an agent, especially for somebody that's new in the business. This is something that is really going to give you great value. Um, so, really, tonight uh, we're talking about how to get the best possible rate for a mortgage and how to pay the least amount for your house because we know that ultimately your mortgage payment, when you look at the end of the day, when 30 years or 25 years later, we look at how much you actually paid for your house your home that you purchased, it's a lot more than you actually paid at closing. So we're going to teach you tonight how to get that, that absolute best price. Um, So at Sachs Realty, we're really concerned about your best experience. And we, we really take care of our clients and our ratings show that. And guys, if you're looking to obviously buy or sell and you're here in Maryland, we'd love to help you with that. If you're outside of Maryland and you're looking to buy, I have a great broker network all across the country would we'll be glad to help you and make sure that you're getting the proper care uh, to purchase your real estate. So with, uh, without uh, further ado here, I'd like to introduce Brenda Evans. So a little bit about Brenda. Brenda and I actually worked together in an office at a previous brokerage before I started Sachs Realty. She rocks. She goes by Brenda the lender. She's been in the business for actually, I think over 15 years. And she works for a company called RMS or Residential Mortgage Services. And guys, her goal is uh, to keep your home financing comfort level high and stressed down. And for those of you that know Brenda, her passion is helping people, and she does so with really high energy and uh, great communication and lots of experience and her attention to detail. And let's go ahead and bring to you Brenda Evans. Brenda, thanks so much for being a part of this first episode uh, of uh, Tuesday Night Live.
1: Hi, Todd. Thanks so much. It's such a am thrilled to be here. It's such a privilege. I uh, look forward to bantering back and forth and sharing a lot of news tonight with folks on home mortgages and getting ready to buy a house. Um, it's exciting. It's a huge investment. Some of the biggest investments that you'll ever make are are your home purchases? So yeah, a little bit about home mortgages. I basically help people get money in the state of Maryland to buy, make residential purchases. To uh, uh, that's what we do. We lenders, um, and basically the bottom line is, when you're when you speak to your lender, the higher the risk, the higher the rate. The lower the risk of you of the buyer and the homeowner paying back the mortgage, the lower the rate. It's all risk based. And timing as well, when you start to talk about those interest rates. Um, And as you know, now is we are experiencing record lows, especially when you're buying a home.
0: Brenda, let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, uh, the home mortgage. So obviously, you know, there's primary market, secondary market, there's banks, there's loan officers, brokers. Kind of give us an overview of what happens when somebody wants to buy a house.
1: Well, when somebody wants to buy a house, they really just need to make sure they're speaking to a lender that has experience and it has experience with home buyers um, and the local market and basically, what's the difference? I was listening to a radio broadcast tonight, driving over here on the news, and I heard you need twenty percent down for a conventional loan to buy a house, and I was like, "Wow, no way!" We've got so many different great loans out there for people. Zero percent down, like for veterans for the VA. We've got zero percent down for USDA if you're buying in a rural area, and as far as conventional, which is basically Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, um, you can put as little as as a first time home buyer. down for a conventional loan. And if you've got good credit, the mortgage insurance can be super low. And then you've got your FHA loans too for maybe someone that wants to put down money and doesn't have quite as high of a credit score. 3.5% down, 660 plus is perfect for FHA you're going to get the lowest interest rate. I looked at one the, the other day and it was at two and it was two and a half, two and a half percent, 30 year fixed for an FHA mortgage.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. So t- give us the process. So somebody fills out an application, they have to go through underwriting. Uh, what's kind of like the the process? And, and then basically, you know, there's investors ultimately that are buying those mortgages, right? So let's kind of talk about, you know, what happens when, you know, how does a house get financed? Right. Take us down that basic road.
1: Right. Sure. And whether you're talking to a bank or a corresponding lender, which is what I am or a broker. Um, and the difference really is as a corresponding lender, we underwrite our own loans and then they get sold and, uh, assigned a, a loan servicer. So either way, um, the most important thing is that you, again, you've got someone you trust that you're speaking to and someone that has experience and someone that listens and gets back to you because it's all about communication, gathering and exchange the whole, the whole way through the process. The more I know about the person I'm working with or the family I'm working with, the better I'm going to be able to help them. And it all starts with the basic, uh, uh the, anyway, We'll get get to credit pools and all that. But um, the bottom line is this. It doesn't really matter what happens after you close as far as who's servicing your loan. What matters is hopefully a year before you're ready to buy the home, that you're connected with a professional, a realtor, a lender, a year before. I want to see a whole credit profile up front right away. Um, And the secondary market, it goes up, it comes down. Loans are bought and sold. That's never going to stop. The most important thing is when are you ready to buy a home? When are you ready? That's what's most important. The rest of the stuff is going to be up and down.
0: So let's talk about people. You said that uh, mortgage rates are really low, and they are, I mean, incredible uh, rates right now. Probably some are saying that this is the lowest it will ever be. Um, you know, there's a lot of speculation as to what happens next. We're going through COVID. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of forbearance forbearances taking place. And, you know, a lot of people are saying that in the next maybe 12 to 18 months, we may see one of the biggest downturns in our economy that we've seen. Uh, something that maybe will even you know be greater than the Great Depression. Um, let's talk about how people can capitalize on these low rates that have an existing mortgage. So, for me, for instance, I think the last time I refinanced my house was probably seven or eight years ago, and I got like a four and a half percent rate. And all the while, I've been paying down my principal. Does it make sense for people that have mortgages right now to refinance and take advantage of these really low rates? to actually change that principle that they're financing. So for example, let's say, you know, someone's paid down $30,000 or $40,000 of their principal over the last 10 years, they're still paying their payment based on that higher loan amount. So what happens when they actually refinance and drop that down? I mean, guys, if you're this is you and you're thinking that if we do have a downturn, we finally wake up one day from COVID and we realize, man, we're in a really big economic slump forbearance is over the, you know, um, the hangover has arrived. And basically you're looking at, could you actually save yourself by paying five or six or $700 less by refinancing? Now, Brenda, is that, an option for somebody like the scenario I just gave, like me that bought, you know, or refied seven, eight years ago, at four and a half percent.
1: You know what, Todd? It all depends on how long you're going to be in your house. And like you say, how how many years you've paid into your mortgage already?
0: Let's Let's say, let's say I'm going to stay here forever.
1: Okay. So if you started your loan nine years ago, and you've paid it down a good, you know, a little bit, um, and you're at a four and a half percent rate right now, and you can refinance to a three percent rate, chances are, and you're going to stay in your house for, well, forever, even five or more years. It's a great idea to look at the numbers. But what's most important with every single person that walks in the door, when it comes to your money is, what's your goal? Do you want the lower payment? because you're, you're scared about paying too much, about, about the economy crashing and needing to lower your monthly bills, your monthly debt? Or are you looking at the big picture? Do you have some flexibility? So do you wanna lower your term and save thousands and thousands of dollars in interest?
0: Yeah, I did a little scenario here. So if you, if you um, finance $250,000 in debt, for your home on a 30-year mortgage of four and a half percent over the course of the lifetime of the loan you actually paid two hundred and six thousand dollars in interest uh, at a without considering your insurance or your taxes because i don't know where you live your principal and interest payment is was about twelve hundred and sixty six dollars if you could drop that a point today that same two hundred and fifty thousand by dropping at a point to three and a half percent um, you would actually save $80,547 in interest, turning that into a 25 year loan, knocking five years off. And uh, basically your payment would be about $10 less a month by doing that. So, I mean, it is significant amount of savings if you're planning on staying in your house for a while.
1: It's very exciting, The but so exciting. I've helped a lot of people lately, young people, some of which have just purchased their house two years ago. And just with that little trick, when they refinance, they actually, it's a win-win. Because if they go from that 30-year fixed to a 25-year amortized mortgage, rates are basically 20 to 30 years when we say 30-year fixed rate. So you amortize that over 25 years. And instead of paying from the first payment, say $1,200 a month on the uh, interest, $600 a month on the principal, you go to a 25-year fixed term, and all of a sudden, you're paying almost equal amounts to principal and interest, $900 and $900 from the very first payment. On the 30-year fixed mortgage, it might take you nine-plus years to get to the point where you're paying as much in principal as you are in interest. And the long-term goal is always to get to where you're paying that principal down quicker than the interest, interest.
0: Yeah. And again, I mean, you know, for many of us that have mortgages, I mean, you know, we might not have the luxury to move every seven or nine years, you know, if we really do hit a slump with our economy. And there's also other things that are happening. I mean, what this phenomenon of not having enough houses in our marketplace right now and, you know, the house prices really being high, chances are if you sell, you're going to get actually less and pay more for it. So, you know, it's starting to see where staying in the house, you know, for somebody like me, seems like it makes a lot more sense, especially if I can grab that safety net of uncertainty, not knowing what's going to happen and capitalize on these low rates. Uh, Brenda, what are you writing? Um, Just give me an idea of, uh, you know, uh, refinance rates right now for a 25 or 30 year mortgage.
1: So the refinance rates are very much ebb and flow right now. And basically, if you can get under 3%, that's fantastic on a 30-year to, you know, 30, 25-term, whatever, 30-year fixed rate in the twos, anywhere in the twos. However, um, what happens is is the banks can't keep up with all the volume. So what I'm seeing right now, this very second, is refi rates are a little bit up. and They'll come back down again once the the banks catch up with the volume.
0: So refi rates are up to what? I mean, give me an idea. Are we three and a half percent?
1: Exactly. It could be three and a quarter, depending on the 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 product. Where maybe a few a few weeks ago it was two and seven eighths.
0: But that's still amazing, right? So if you finance and you're a four and a half percent guys, and you can get a three and a half percent refinance, I mean, that's something. If you're going to stay in your house, I would definitely look at doing that. Um, you know, I, I for someone being in this industry, you know, I kind of, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that uh, if you can save some money and, you know, refinance and drop that payment, take advantage of a lower principal balance, my advice would be to do it. And uh, if you can Talk pay more- Yeah, talk to somebody. Absolutely. All right, let's move right along. Let's talk about first time buyers. You know, a lot of our, you know, uh, the National Association of Realtors said that um, almost 40% of the mortgages last year in 2019 were from a millennial buyer. So obviously, there's a lot of first timers that are entering the the space and uh, becoming homeowners. Let's give them some advice right now. If you're a new home buyer buying for the first time, Brenda, I know that there's a lot here in Maryland, there's a Maryland mortgage program. I mean, there's grants and the cities have you know, great incentives. Can you talk a little bit about what types of incentives these first-time buyers have available for them?
1: Sure. Things like programs like the Maryland mortgage program allows people to, to actually buy a home without having a lot of savings. Uh, they have a program such as 3% down, um, and then, which is basically like a second loan with no interest and no payment so that you, if you don't have that, that three, three and a half percent down payment and you, as long as your, your income is, is not, uh, like in the top 1%, for instance, um, so are the
0: restrictions, restrictions, there's
1: some, there's some, but it's, but it's not. You know, case by case, but it's it's not. They're pretty flexible, actually. Maryland Morgan and Mortgage Program, um, but they have three percent down programs. For instance, they have five thousand uh, dollar programs. They have some programs that are grants, but typically you're going to pay a higher interest rate. Um, but the bottom line is, without if you're re- if you're renting and you don't have a lot socked away, there are definite options for you to. Make sure you've got your credit ready um, and, and get some help in that down payment and to buy a house and get yourself in a better financial position.
0: So can there be co-applicants for these grants or is it uh, individual applicants only? So if it's a couple that's that is buying, you know, can these grants still work or is it primarily just individual based? Oh, no,
1: of course, of course. It's one, one, two, one to two buyers. Absolutely.
0: Uh Uh-huh. And where does somebody go to find information on that?
1: I think that your lender is the best source. Um, And then there's also area home buying counseling classes that are highly recommended and usually required, almost always required some type of home buying counseling. If you're going to look for some assistance, down payment assistance.
0: But you say with down payment assistance, they're going to pay a higher interest rate.
1: Not necessarily. The city of, for instance, the city of Baltimore offers lots of different kinds of grants that are 20% forgivable a year. So if you live in your home for five years, um, then you do not have to pay back that, whatever that grant is, whether it's a $5,000 community development block grant um, or which is a little bit more um, of an income-based grant. But then there are others that are not income-sensitive at all, like depending on who your employer is. Um, Hopkins has some programs. There's all kinds of, of things out there, especially in the city. Um, so they grants. have,
0: they have uh, live where you work grants, a lot of them, right? So the city offers, are they still offering that? And then employers a lot of times will match that? up to a certain amount of money. Are you seeing that? There's different
1: combinations. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yes.
0: So what about, um, you know, let's talk about customary charges and, and I know, you know, uh, there's a lot you've got, you know, internet mortgage companies out there. You see like ads for rocket mortgage. I think they're like jumping into one of the largest loan originators in the nation. Um, You know, you've got banks you have mortgage brokers like yourself you know what's the difference in dealing with each and you know what can someone if somebody's looking for a mortgage i mean they talk to somebody like you they talk to their bank how do they know they're getting the best deal or does everybody kind of across the board charge whatever the heck they feel like or are there set charges Origination fees. Can you just tell the audience about you know what charges are like to originate these loans?
1: Sure. You know it's interesting. Everyone comes to the lender for the charges, and I have one, really one one charge: the origination mortgage origination fee, so that we can process and underwrite the loans. Twelve hundred forty-five dollars, for instance, in in my case, and across the board, it costs a little bit of money to borrow to borrow money. That's the bottom line. And whether you go to a bank or um, a mortgage correspondent lender or, you know, a mortgage broker, it should be pretty similar. It really should be similar. We're highly regulated. Um, and as well, same for interest rates. Same for interest rates. We're all on a very level playing field.
0: So should somebody price it out with multiple lenders or were they do they know, you know, like if they're dealing with you that um and and and, you know and i know there's no price fixing and things like that everybody has their own rates but do should somebody you you said there's regulation so is there a need for somebody to shop
1: you know i think that it's fine to speak to one or two people and you just have to ask the right questions and make sure that the person is the person you're talking to is very experienced. For instance, with with working with realtors, and if you're buying a home, you want you don't want somebody that's just sitting behind a desk, kind of taking orders and doing a lot of refinances. You know, you want someone that's actively out there working with first time home buyers, repeat home buyers, um, loans of all different kinds. Um, sometimes the bank might not have um, as many products, like maybe they can't do a two hundred three K renovation loan. Um, someone like uh, you know a mortgage person such as myself, a mortgage lender, not affiliated with any particular bank. Um, I'm just Residential Mortgage Services, for instance. Um, I have a pretty broad spectrum of what I can offer.
0: So I guess then the the proper question is you know shopping products, not prices. So you know like you just said, so very much. There so. there may be certain lenders that have those different. It's more understanding. I think what I hear a lot of times is, you know, a lot of lenders, you have to fit inside that certain box, for lack of a a better term. You know, everything has to be perfect. Where we're not perfect. I mean, sometimes we have late payment. Sometimes we have, you know, higher debt to income ratios. Sometimes our credit scores. So is what you're saying... You know, in dealing with the lender, it's more important that you're just upfront initially with your circumstances or your situations to find out whether they have that product or if they just can't help you. Is that kind of or the a better best way
1: fit the best product, the best fit absolutely completely up front absolutely
0: yep. gotcha. get all
1: the information you can the more the better
0: sure, yep, so. Let's talk about, you know, the rates and the rates being low right now. Uh, and there's terms like rate lock, you know, get locked in. Um, what does that mean to somebody to get locked in? And, you know, how long is a lock in and what happens if they lock in and the prices drop? Can you just kind of tell us about, you know, what a rate lock even means?
1: Right. Well, basically, you, it's price protecting your, your mortgage rate, interest rate. Um, so that we typically, if you're in a 30 day window and you're buying a house, um, you want to, you want to, you know, you've got to lock your, but you got to look at locking your interest rate. You don't want to mess around and it's going to go up and down a little, but typically, yes, it's timing. Um, to answer your question. Yes, you can. Once you lock, if you need to, to, if, if rates drop a little bit, you can adjust certainly the interest rate, you know, we often say if you do it for free, it usually costs a teeny bit of money, but nothing I say is necessarily always free. Um, but if there's a significant drop, certainly you can take advantage of it. But it ha- it, it goes very quickly. Um, once If you're buying a house, um, once you lock in, typically um, it's important to do that before too long because you don't want the rates to go up.
0: How long can you lock in for
1: 30 days, 45 days, there's 60 day locks. Um, and, and you can go even longer depending on the type of loan, but Got you don't you. want to mess around once yeah. you're, for instance, under contract.
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking, do you lock in before you even look? Is that, no, not you can't do right? that. <laughs> yeah. You can't. So you have to have that property. And so everybody is aware. I mean, you have to actually have a property that you're under contract with to lock in. right?
1: Right, exactly, okay, so that's you. the timing part. Timing is huge.
0: Yeah, I got you. So let's talk about um, you know, what's the difference of using a bank, and maybe some of that's already answered, but what's the difference of using a bank versus a mortgage broker? Do you have more products than a traditional bank would have, a mortgage broker?
1: I, I go back to corresponding lender. Um, sometimes, sometimes it depends. It, it does. Yeah. Uh, it just depends on the, what the situation is for the, for the person buying the house.
0: So let's talk about um, the credit repair. I know one of your specialties, Brenda um, is, you know, we even had a conversation earlier today where you said you were, you know, putting, I think you said a, a you know, a square peg in a round hole. Um, You're trying to make things happen and make things work and work on people's, you know, help them to get their credit scores up. Let's talk a little bit about credit. You had mentioned that there is a minimum score that you kind of have to hit in order to be uh, pre-qualified. Can you just give us what those scores are? And then we'll talk about some credit hacks that we know that you're really good at uh, and helping people get their scores higher.
1: You know, there's some industry basics basically. And if I'm depending on the type of loan, um, once again, most people think they have a lot of people think they have 800 credit or better, but it's really hard to get that high in in, in over 800 scores. Um, 740, 740 is in in my world, considered in the world of lending, considered really good credit. Once you have 740, no matter what the type of loan is, you're you're probably going to be able to get the lowest possible interest rate along with the other factors such as how much you're putting down um, and what your debt to income is, what your debt is um, versus your gross income, your total debt. Uh, Of course, the lower the better, the lower the risk, the lower the rate, um, as I was saying before. Um, And then as far as going down the rate tiers, you know, I I know that people, companies, lenders are out there lending at 580 plus. And when I say these scores, I'm just talking about the top two credit scores out of the three. I don't care about the third score. Um, I was working with someone recently who had one score over 800, one score over 700, and one score in the 600s. And I actually was able to take them because they had one ding on their credit report um, going to the little tricks, they they basically had an old outstanding bill they had that was not never paid. They had no idea about, and I had them call the, uh, had them call the creditor and asked very nicely if I pay this, will you please get me a letter of deletion removal from my records, my report, credit report, and they made the call, got it taken off. All of a sudden, instead of a 700 middle score, I had two 800 scores and an 800 middle score. So in their case, they were they were buying a bigger house, higher risk loan, and so getting them hot, getting them in back into the eight hundred level was was helpful in getting the lowest rate. They actually did a first and a second mortgage. It was helpful all across the board.
0: So when you say the three credit reporting agencies, can we clarify what they are that the banks are that that the underwriting is looking for? Because, um, you know a lot of people say their score on like a site like Credit Karma or something like that. And I know I've heard you say that sometimes that's not the most accurate. So what, what credit reporting agencies are the most important?
1: So we all, once again, we're on the same ball field. It's TransUnion, TransUnion, Experian and Equifax are the three credit bureaus that, that lenders use to lend. And depending on, depending on which what your, what your thumbprint, what your credit snapshot looks like, um, maybe you bought something and only it only went on the Equifax record. Maybe you did some bought something else it only went on the TransUnion record. Um, it's so, it's very intricate, um, the way credit reporting happens and the way you get, the way it all shakes out. With these three different agencies,
0: so um, should people print or, or you know get obtain all three of these prior to calling a, a mortgage person?
1: So it's it's really difficult to do it. the The best way and really the only way to start getting ready for a refi or a purchase of a home is just you've got to have a lender pull your credit. You've got to have that baseline pull. Period. That is the only way to begin helping.
0: Gotcha. And um, as far as, but I mean, you can get these as consumers, right? I mean, we we can get one of these free a year, isn't that how you can get
1: one free uh, credit pull a year? Exactly, you can do that.
0: Because doesn't it actually hurt your credit when you do a hard inquiry from a, a mortgage person? You know,
1: it just depends, Todd, on the situation. Did you buy a car? and did you get your credit pulled 10 times in the last month and now you have a brand new car payment on your credit report? That tends to, that can, that can give you a little ding on your credit. Um, typically if you're just, unless you're getting new credit cards every month or, or something like that, um, if you're not abusing it, um, credit pools, then one or two or three lender pools is, is not going to be a big deal to your score. Yeah there's so many other not knowing what the, what you, what your credit profile looks like. That snapshot is, is much more um, dangerous than, than, than a simple credit pool.
0: Sure. So let's talk about for the person that is trying to get that better interest rate. Um, I know we talked about a couple uh, hacks and uh, you know, for those of you that are thinking of hacks is like hacking into your, we're not talking about that kind of stuff. We're talking about ways secrets or um things that you can do to actually improve your score and brenda you know a couple of these so maybe we can just touch on a couple
1: oh sure there's do's and don'ts absolutely there's three things when it comes to credit there is well there's the bottom line credit score excuse me. when it comes to interest rates credit score is absolutely critical um how much you're putting down or what your loan to value of your home is, if it's a refinance, has a big, it can have a, an impact on, on your interest rate. The other thing is what is your debt to income, your gross debt um, to your income? That can have um, a big impact on your interest rate. And, and again, the lower the risk, the lower the rate. And that is the bottom line. So, as far as tricks and hacks, things that you can do that are helpful, and then there's some don'ts as well. The most common thing I hear people doing when they're getting ready to buy a house is I've got some outstanding debt and I've got to pay it off. I'm gonna start paying off this these three bills that I, I are that I've had on my report that that I didn't even realize were unpaid. Guess what? Sometimes if you pay off an old bill, good, your credit score might go down. You've got to, you can't, I wish I could just have the magic bullet for us all and say, this is what you're going to do to make everything better. But you've got to have, once again, start with that hard, that hard credit score, uh, baseline pull. Um, number one, get credit, make sure you have credit. I have a 19 year old son. I just thought about it. I need to make sure he has a credit card and mom and dad or, or significant other, if you're going to, if you're going to like have someone on your credit card as a, as a user authorized user, please. And you want to build their credit, please make sure you keep your usage of that card way, way down much lower than the limit if you have a thousand dollar credit card limit please don't ever charge and carry month to month more than three hundred dollars that's thirty
0: percent thirty percent make yes. sure that you're not any higher than thirty percent debt to that uh, to that credit limit
1: yes and that's kind of what I hear lenders talk about all the time but really again it is so individual it's like a thumbprint Um, When I'm working with someone and they're getting ready to buy or refinance, I can tweak things once I see that that credit baseline credit pool and in their history. Um, You know, I can tweak things like maybe they have 100 percent usage of their credit card and I just bring it down to 95 percent and I can get the five points I need to get them the better interest rate. There's little tweaks here and there, and I find without my, the professional use of my credit simulator or any lender who has, as a matter of fact, I'm not even sure that banks are allowed to use credit simulators, but correspondent lenders, brokers, um, we, we very carefully use this tool called the credit simulator, which will tell us exactly, tell, tell you exactly what to do, how much to the penny to pay something down, or open up a new credit card or you know what the exact action is to improve your your credit score to get you in that better bucket in order to get the lowest possible interest rate
0: i even heard where somebody actually called the credit card company and actually got a higher credit limit so that they owed that you know less than that amount of a balance, you know, by bumping that credit score, I mean, that credit limit higher, it actually helped their score, Um, so, you know.
1: Right, Um, that's an idea and it's a good practice to keep in touch with your creditors and your your credit card holders and try to keep increasing, ask them how you can increase your limit. I've found it doesn't have an immediate effect necessarily if you're trying to buy a house in 90 days or 30 days or 60 days, however, it's a good long-term practice keep trying to get yeah. those credit limits up for the yeah, long
0: and this time. is and this is good advice no matter whether because what I hear you saying is even if you have a 700 credit score which would be good uh, for borrowing it still might make more sense if they could get it up to 740 or 750 so these things aren't just for people that have had credit issues but you know it's good advice for people that are in that higher you know score Bracket that want to get even higher to get better rates,
1: correct? Yes, yes, yes. What else? Okay, um, but you know, going back to start way ahead. Don't wait till you're ready to buy a house. Start a year ahead. Work. Talk to a lender. Start planning. Get the figure out what your credit looks like. Where are you? You never know. There's there's always surprises. I run into surprises all the time. Um, people that are outstanding citizens well off or, or whether it's someone just starting out with their first job, who's just got an offer letter and they've got their first two pay stubs. You never know until you do that actual credit pull. Um, so start out early. Um, never, ever, ever pay anything late. Always put your, um, this is a big, a big, important thing. The minimum. Take your credit card, take your credit cards take two or three of them and keep them open and make sure you have the minimum payment on a monthly automatic pay plan. I cannot tell you, Hmm. I think everyone, we all have, I've made a late credit payment over the years, credit card payment for whatever the reason, you know, in my history. And one thing, like one late payment can really ding your score. It can, and it can have an, it can have an effect.
0: Yeah, because they're, they're reading into it, you know, is there something going on that your, your income's changed or is your, you know, um, dependability, you know, uh, weakened, you know, or lessened. So yeah, we've all been late though, but that's good advice. So make sure that you're setting up those minimum payments so that they hit on the actual due date and then you'll never be late. Right.
1: Right. And you know, what's really helpful with keeping your credit score up is please keep, two or three active credit lines open revolving credit you know not your car payment not your house payment that revolving credit um two or three cards open please i cannot tell you how many people they they pay off their their debt they're in a great spot maybe they're great career the kids are growing they're whatever and they close out all their credit cards well you you really need one two three o- open active revolving lines of credit that you use and you pay off to keep that score so, up.
0: J- just so everybody knows, you're going through the buying process, and um, when is the the when are you in the clear as far as getting that final clear to close? So somebody's settling. Um, it's uh, Tuesday, they're settling on Friday. Are there cre- is their credit report being pulled before, between now and Friday?
1: You know, anymore, especially with COVID, don't buy your furniture. Don't, please don't buy a new car. <laughs> um, especially if your debt to income ratio is tight, um, just don't try not to take out any new credit. Until after you've closed. Really, ideally, take a month and then start spending money again after you close.
0: Can they they pull your credit to see if something's changed the day before settlement? Yes. Do they do that in most cases?
1: Um, You know, usually it's a few days we check. And sometimes even after closing.
0: You were telling me that the other day we were talking about, you know, that there are that can affect them in actually selling that loan, right? A lot of people don't understand. You go to somebody to get a mortgage and then all of a sudden the coupon book shows up or the bill comes and it's a different company because your mortgage has been sold. And you were telling me that uh, basically they will pull your credit, I guess, before they actually sell it or maybe that's a requirement of the purchaser. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they find out that, your scores dropped or you went out and you bought all this stuff and now you become more risky. So as a result, it can prevent them from actually selling that loan.
1: Right. Right. It could cause a problem. Right.
0: Yeah. Doesn't have anything to do with the borrower, right? They don't go and repossess that house because their credit score changed a week after settlement. But, um, but they are still looking at you as a borrower, um, even after you sign the the deed.
1: Yes. Be cautious, be conservative, save your money before, during, and as much as you can after.
0: Yeah. All right. So give us some uh, closing, uh, some closing tips. So there's some great information here tonight. I know, uh, you know, there's a lot to talk about. We could talk hours about this and everybody's situation is different. Um, you referred to it as a thumbprint, but just give us some final some final parting thoughts.
1: Well, sure. The best thing is make sure that you are talking to an experienced professional and start early. Um, You know, if I were, I personally try and treat people as if they were my own son or daughter um, or family member and get as much information as I can from them so that I can truly make sure they're in the best possible place. Um, Sometimes a little tweaking here and there really helps and I get that ability to do so with with added information, whether it's debt to income related, credit score related. um, Sometimes there's a little tricks we can pull in with um, even value, home value versus your loan. Um, but it's all about information exchange. And I've heard a lot of people complain that their lenders weren't responsive um, and just didn't really hear what their goals were. Um, you really, it's, it's a very personal, it's a very individual thing. Um, and everyone has a different story. Everyone has a different story. So we, we as lenders take that information and try and absolutely make sure we put you in the safest, most comfortable position. Don't ask me what you qualify for. I ask you, what is your what is your monthly payment comfort zone? That's the bottom line.
0: Let's talk about for a second, let's talk about money down because you had mentioned giving advice to your son or daughter. And, um, you know, we both have kids. And, you know, everybody wants to jump to the chance to purchase a house. Uh, but when we're looking at, um, you know, some of the numbers, the real numbers, when they were talking about the housing crisis in 08, I think, the, um, I, I think that the foreclosure rate was somewhere around one to, you know, one and a half percent of the mortgages were being foreclosed on. And some of the predictions through COVID that were in, some of these uh, people are you know, experts are predicting that we could be three times worse than the 08 crisis with um, foreclosures. And so many people over the last, you know, decade have been relying on seller concessions for money down. They're not putting any money down. They're, you know, stretching themselves. They're dependent upon two incomes to, in some cases, to make those mortgage payments. And what happens is, um, you know, one loses their job. They're already in forbearance and, you know, the rest of the story. So, um, you know, what do we talk about money down and and being prepared? Should people rent um, longer and save money and put more money down?
1: You know where we we the lending environment, the lenders are look at renting as kind of throwing money out the window um, there's just not any benefit or gain
0: but so, brenda what where's the benefit in getting a mortgage and being foreclosed and having bad credit for the next ten years i mean where you know where what's the you know and I'm just asking i mean what's the advice because You know, I come from a background where, you know, I had to save money, had to work hard. And, you know, if you're, if you have to do whatever it is that you have to do to put yourself in a better position, I just see so many people are buying houses and they don't have the money down. They don't even have the money to pay for a new furnace if it goes bad. So a a $10,000 expenditure in their brand new house that they bought. So, you know, I guess kind of, you know, where I'm coming from is, you know, you know, we, we hear from a lender's world and I'm not picking on you. I'm just talking about, you know, some good, some good ending conversations here to our, our, our uh, back and forth. But, you know, we hear a lot of times where the lenders are saying, you know, just go back and, you know, you don't have any money down. That's all right. Just go and ask the seller for cash back. And, you know, they're getting the seller cash back and they don't have any money. And, And I just wonder whether we're doing, you know, whether we're giving the proper advice, you know, or would the advice to your kid be, you know what, stay home as long as you can, save as much money as you can or rent a house hack, you know, share your expenses and save. Because, you know, I come from a belief that I think that we have some really difficult times ahead. I think we got some big financial times that we're going to have to overcome. We're writing, you know, it's a different topic, but we're writing debt in an enormous um, alarming fashion. And uh, we're kind of propping everything up with debt. And I'm I'm afraid one day that we're going to see, you know, this come crashing down and that we're not teaching people the old school method of save your money, put down money, make sure you're in an equity position that if anything hits the fan, you know what, that you'll be able to sell that house. And, you know, really be in an equity position to get out from underneath of it so it doesn't crush you for 10 years of having a foreclosure on your record. Um, But anyway, guys, you will have to decide that. We thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Brenda Evans. We're going to give you a second here to uh, let everybody know if you're watching this on uh, YouTube or Facebook or you're listening on your favorite podcast channel, Uh, Brenda we will make sure her information is on the show notes uh, wherever this is published but Brenda how do people get a hold of you?
1: Brenda.Evans at rmsmortgage.com
0: That's awesome. Brenda the lender. Yeah Brenda the lender and how about a phone number?
1: 410-979-4464. Thank you you. so much for having me this evening. Uh,
0: Yeah, you're so welcome. Guys, we love to serve you and we love bringing you great content and information. If you're watching this on your favorite podcast uh, channel, if you don't mind hitting that follow so that you can get more great real estate content. And certainly if you're watching it on YouTube or Facebook, if you would like our Sash Realty Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that little bell, we appreciate you and thank you so much. You guys have a great night. Talk to you soon. Sachs Realty, Maryland broker number six zero seven seven two zero, office number four four three three one eight four five one four. Equal housing opportunity.